Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. If you'll please turn with me to Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. I'm glad to be here again. And uh, I'm praying especially this week for because I heard that several of our kids are like sick or like with flu or different things. And also several of our church members like uh, that I've been contacting are with some sort of uh, uh, mental illness and even some are, are having trouble with uh, like looking a place to to stay and like so there's several things going on so I'm praying uh, this week especially for those uh, and I invite you to join me on uh, that prayer as you do your daily prayers let's pray for our families that are mourning Let's pray for those that are recovering from sickness and or that even are in the hospital. And let's pray for those that are struggling with uh, like place to live or trying to find a new place. Like moving is always hard. So let's keep those in prayer. But also let's thank God for already helping some of those that were in the hospital that this week they got out. So let's not only ask God for things, but let's... Uh, Thank God for it. So b- before we start our study today, uh, let's start by inviting God on his presence, but also praying for those special things. So bow, bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Father in, ha- in heaven, we are so thankful because you gave us another day in our lives. A day where we could come here, we could share your love uh, by experimenting uh, our brothers and the love of our brothers and sisters here at church by coming together and uh, learning more uh, from you through Sabbath school, through the church service as a whole. And uh, we thank you as well for answered prayers because we have been praying for some of our church uh, members that were sick, some even hospitalized. And uh, as you answer our prayers, some of them got better, some even got out of the hospital or back to their, their homes. So we are so glad for that. And we ask you, dear Lord, keep them still on your watch as they fully recover on their homes. Help them to be uh, fully recovered so they can be back uh, to our fellowship and can be fully active for your service once again. We ask you, dear Lord, especially also for those that are still in the hospital or that are still sick at their homes so they can find uh, healing on you. Not only healing for their bodies, but healing for their minds, healing for their spiritual life, 
healing for their emotional life and uh, healing for their social life. May they find the peace and the grace they are seeking for. We ask you, dear Lord, as well for the families that are mourning, especially uh, the Irviks this week that they lost one of their sons. Be with them, dear Lord. We ask as well for those that are having uh, housing issues and uh, or employment issues. May you help them to navigate those difficult, uh, difficult and stressful times. And uh, dear Lord, I pray for our church family. May we also be a loving church family that we can uh, always be ready to extend our hands to be your hands here in Midland in our, in our, our neighborhoods. Now, as we uh, turn our attention to study your word, we ask you, dear Lord, help us to remove our prejudices, remove our own lenses, and read scripture with uh, humility. Read scripture seeking your presence. Give us your Holy Spirit, the same one that inspired the prophets to write what we're going to read. Give it to us now so we can fully understand the words, uh, fully understand their meanings. And uh, as we hear and learn new things, help us to put in practice in our lives. Bless us and keep us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alrighty. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys still read newspapers. I don't know what it is. Uh, I figure as much. Young kids. Uh, so, I actually like, although I like computers, every now and then I like to open uh, the paper. And one of my biggest frustrations and where I live today is that there's no local paper like that's like uh, daily or periodically. So it's just once every 15 days or every other week. Uh, but every time it goes, it shows up a new issue. I try to peruse it just to see what's going on around town. But uh, for some time now, regardless where I watch news, if it's uh, on TV, internet, newspapers, I keep hearing more of the same old. Like, our world today is so divided. Like, it's so polarized, I would say. Like, it's, there's, uh, I was even having that discussion last night with a couple of young people in my home. And uh, uh, the world is so polarized that we cannot even talk with people about any issue. That immediately you have to go to the right or to the left. And like, uh, it's hard to try to hold a position according to your conscience that's not in either pole. Because then you start to receive fire from both ends. Uh, so it's really tough uh, word to, to, to be living in. And, uh, and the world is more polarized as before, as never before. And uh, I guess there's things that uh, modernity are bringing that help, but there are some 
that are actually hurting us. One is social media. That's like, it's probably one of the, what the studies show, one of the biggest things that are, are helping to polarize a society, like to tear us apart. And uh, we live in an age that now is actually a dangerous age to live because before you have to watch the not to do something foolish because then people could publish this somewhere. Now, you just need to be alive. There is something that's called deepfakes. I don't know if you guys know, heard anything about it, but it's something that uh, people do. And you don't need to be a computer used to do it those days. Like I can get, let's say, Tony. If I have some pictures of Tony, like different angles and few samples of his voice, I can produce a video that's so convincing that I could have Tony say anything I wanted him to say. So that's a really dangerous time to be living in. And uh, out of that is contributing for people to drift more and more apart, to be more and more alone, to think more and more in themselves. Uh, we are very fast moving to the situation the Bible said we would be living on, on the last days. So, uh, what's like uh, the, the, the Bible says many things about the last days, but uh, I was just having a study the other day just about that. And like uh, everything that the Bible says about the last days is basically there before our faces. But as we're talking about people, the social world, like what the Bible says, is pretty much real now. So uh, there are several passages on the Bible talking about the last days. But the one that I want to, for us to read today as an introduction for the message today is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you could open your Bibles as we read 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read starting in uh, verse 1. Uh, from all the passages on the Bible that uh, talk about uh, the state of things on the end days that we can find on the Old Testament and prophets like Zechariah, Joel, Habakkuk, and others, or the New Testament, from Paul, from uh, Revelation, from John. This passage here is the one that I feel is more relatable because you don't need to be an expert in finance or like in other things to, to kind of parse the, the prophecy. You just need to be around people and we're going to see this getting real uh, before your eyes. So let's read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. But know this, I'm reading from the New King James Version. But you know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, prod, prod, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, 
traders, headstrong, healthy, lovers of pleasure, harder than lovers of God, having the form of goodness, of, of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turned away. I don't know about you, but that is what we are seeing all around us. And some naysayers may say, oh, but there always have, we always had like people like that on the world. Yes, that's true. But like I'm uh, just turned 49. And in my 49 years, uh, that's not much comparing some of you here. Uh, for some of you here, like I'm ancient. I'm one dinosaur, but for some, I'm just a baby. So I'm right on the middle. But even on those 49 years, uh, I can see a marked difference from the world of my childhood, the world of like 20, 30 years ago, and the world of today. Like I could see those changes coming. And I, okay, we always had greedy people and uh, selfish people in the past. But now, it's everywhere. We always had people like just looking to themselves. But now, it's everywhere. As I mentioned to you before, like last night I had a, uh, we have a, a, some uh, Central Michigan students that are coming to our church. So we do a small group every Sabbath in somebody's home. The regular host could not host them yesterday. So I said, okay, you can come to my home. And we stayed talking with uh, two of them. And that was the conversation. Like, and it was interesting for me uh, in their perspective already like an ancient guy. Uh, here they're talking. Because those are like 20-year-old kids. Uh, they were talking like, man, the world today is so strange. People don't talk. People don't care about you. They are always on their, de on their devices. And like when you try to talk and engage, people don't want to, to get close. They are just closed down to themselves. They are all looking for a way to make an easy buck. So like it's... And as they started to describe the, how strange they feel. Because... And, and that's something that I heard before, but now I'm seeing also in my eyes, in my life is like i heard uh, like uh, when i was just a teenager coming out to the church the young uh the youth director of my division he said something like that uh, the worst uh youth that we have on the church is still better than the better people outside and in that way i could relate that because uh uh those kids they could have in the way they were talking could me could be me talking. Like, and the criticisms that they were doing to today's society, reflecting how bad we are. Like it's, so it's not something that just you, because you're old, that you're noticing. Even then, that are still like, almost in their diapers, they are seeing too. So, uh, that was an eye-opening experience for me last night. And, uh, that's why I say this text, from all the signs of the second coming, from all the signs that the end times are here, that's the one that I feel more relatable. Because anybody, 
even a young person can see it and can, if they want to, realize, oh, I better get my act together. So Paul, as he writes this, he writes to a young pastor that's in the beginning of his ministry. And uh, he's telling this to him. So he, when he sees those things uh, getting more and more in intensity, be prepared. But he's, he says at the end of the chapter, if you uh, go down to verse 12, he gives us a general advice that we can take and uh, to live in, the, in those perilous times we are living today. Uh, verse 12 reads, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And let me just do a quick pause here. Because I, I saw those people talking and, and like they, in the way, they didn't use that, those words, but they felt like that they were almost alien people, like from different planet and like, because people don't like it, their insistence of trying to do those antiquated things like talking or being friends and, uh, why? Because when, when you have your life kind of guided by scripture, you become countercultural. And like people just don't appreciate you. They may not, never say that to you, but that's the, the vibe that goes on. And what God is advising us, verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which I have, you have learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from your childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he finishes a very famous uh, passage, Our Scripture is given by inspiration and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what's the solution Paul is, Paul is advising us to, so we can kind of be more God-like, even when everybody else is going to a different direction? He's pointing us to go to Scripture. He's steering your attention to this book that he said is, was inspired by God with one purpose, to make us grow daily, to make us find our bearings when nobody else knows the answer. Because today, if you talk with anybody, they're going to say, there's no truth, truth is relative, like it's, it's that's your truth, not my truth. And uh, here, God is saying, this is the way. That's no coincidence that Jesus, he said it before in John 14, verse 6 and 7, like, I'm the uh, way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father if not by me, through me. So, there's only way, only one way to navigate life. If that was true in the past, but it's even more true today. And that's one way is like to follow biblical advice. 
and follow Jesus. That's the reason and the, the pinnacle of the whole revelation of God. So, uh, why I did that long introduction? Because uh, Jesus, as us, he was not like a, a, a fellow that was like very well liked on his day. Not because he was doing anything wrong. He was actually showing the love of the Father to us. But he was constantly challenged. Uh, perhaps we are not challenged as him, but we are challenged indeed by, just by the way life treats us. And I guess meditating in one incident of his life can help us to understand uh, how we can live today to be most effective in uh, not only withstanding those temptations, but reaching people uh, to him. Uh, first, a little background. We're going to open our Bibles in May, Matthew 22. And uh, that particular chapter, he is not alone in Scripture. Like, uh, that chapter was a description of what happened on the last uh, few days. That was, we think, the last week of the life of Jesus before the cross. In uh, chapter 21, we have the Jesus entering in Jerusalem, his triumphal entry, people acclamating him as king. Then uh, we have him going and uh, cleaning the temple. And from that point on, people start to uh, question his authority. And uh, at some point between chapter 21 and chapter 22, we have another incident. That's the incident where uh, in John 11, Jesus resurrected Lazarus. And uh, if you read that passage before, that leaves the rulers really mad at him. They want to kill him. And that's the context of chapter 22. On the beginning of chapter 22, we see that they send uh, first the Pharisees to try to ensnare him with that uh, thing of, if, can we pay taxes? Can we not pay taxes? So they thought that was like a, a perfect snare because if he answered in one way, he would go to jail by inciting people not to pay taxes. If he said, pay taxes, they called inside the people against him because he, he would be against the law of Moses. And then he came out with an answer that they didn't expect and foiled their plans. Then they sent the Sadducees to also try to snare him. And uh, the Sadducees, they came with uh, that story of like uh, the, the woman that married seven people that one died, the other died, the other died. And they also tried to ridicule him. But they failed miserably as well. And that brings us to the story that we're going to analyze today. Because after the Pharisees failed, after the Sadducees failed, then they send a scribe that was somebody that was supposedly very learned on the Bible to try to get Jesus to say something that they could use against him. 
to humiliate him or even to sentence him to, to something. So that brings us to Matthew 22 verses uh, 34 to 36. So let's read it together. Uh, read uh, in your Bible as I read from here. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducee, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, some Bible says like a doctor of the law or a scribe, that they're all synonyms for the same word here in Greek. Uh, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greater commandment of the law? That you may think is an easy answer, like, but what, what was the snare here? Like, uh, why, what was the reason why the scribe asked what he asked? The reason is that the Pharisees, they usually exalted the first four commandments, the ones that talk about our duties for God. So, like, that's why the Pharisaic religion was all about, like, rights and things that you have to do to get in, in the good side of God. Like, that was their mentality. And they saw in Jesus something different because Jesus was a, actually a relatable guy. He was always with people that were in need. And uh, he saw that he was emphasizing the other side of the Ten Commandments. The Ten the commandments 6 to 10 that basically I mean sorry 5 to 10 that uh, uh, emphasize our relationship with our fellow humans so uh, and in asking the question that way they thought Jesus would answer oh one of those or, uh, and from there they wanted to ridicule him uh because he was not leaping up to the standards that they believe uh, should have been lived. Uh, like Jesus, through his ministry, he had shown to people uh, their great deficiency. They, uh, they did, uh, they had, Jesus had taught them the need not only to believe the right things, not only to praise God, but to live a godly life as you interact with other people. And uh, for this reason, he was being charged of exalting the six, uh, the last six commandments. But uh, as he did before, he answered in a way that made the scribe be amazed. And you can read his answer in uh, verses 37 to 40, where he says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And those two commands hang the, all the law and the prophets. And uh, Jesus answered them. With the, in their own turf, he took two passages from the Pentateuch, one from Deuteronomy, talking about God, and one about 
from Leviticus talking about our fellow, fellow neighbors. In this way, he summarized the Decalogue in a way that like uh, nobody could say anything. And uh, the first four commandments were summarized on the first pre precept that he said, like, you, thou sh you shall lo love your God above everything else, with all your heart, with all, all your mind. And the last six were included on the other. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, those two commandments that Jesus gave, they are nothing new. That was God's desire all along. Moses said the same thing before him. And uh, in, the, in both of those uh, commandments, they uh, express the principle of love. Love to God and love to a fellow neighbor. The first one cannot be kept if we don't follow our neighbor. And we cannot I mean love your neighbor. And we cannot love our neighbor if we don't love God first because you cannot give what you don't have. And uh, that's an important reminder for us that when God has his rightful place on the throne of the heart, the right place will be given to our neighbor. We're going to consider other our fellow humans with a different light because God is in control of our own heart. We shall love the others as ourselves and also as we are loved by God first. And only when God, God's love supremely rules our heart is that we can, in fact, live by the standards that Jesus set up here on this day. And, uh, and since all the commandments are summed up in uh, love for God, and love for men, it follows that one precept cannot be uh, broken with, without violating the other one. So that major principle ties everything together. We cannot pick and choose uh, who we should love more. We should love everybody. And we should do with them, reflecting the principles of the six last commandments, because we live also under the principles of the first four, we love God uh, more than anything. And we allow God to drive our own intentions, our desires. And we allow God to drive us to do things that are delightful into his eyes. And uh, that brings to a, me to a question. What should be the mark of a true follower of Jesus then? In light of what we just said. Love. And uh, it's that sad. Because uh, not that, that love is the mark. It's sad is that we are not showing that mark. If there's so many atheists around there. It's because Christianity over the last 2000 years. Haven't lived up to that standard. Like, uh, I don't know how many of you before uh, being Adventist, I, was, I didn't grow up Adventist, but I was for many years uh, a church neighbor. Like, I never, I thought myself, I'm never going to be baptizing. I, I never, like those guys are like, why? Because I always saw the bickery. I always saw like they entering 
with uh, sometimes with uh, more sober expressions than the way they got out. I mean, sorry, the other way around. I, I always saw them coming out of the church sometimes like worse than what they came in like. And that was not really uh, a good testimony. And uh, like Jesus' name has been defaced uh, over those past 2,000 years. And we have to do something about it. Like I, I believe I told you guys in a past sermon, but I'm going to repeat the story because some may not hear. Uh, that one thing, my father was a bit of a disciplinarian. He was a tough lo- tough guy. I think he invented tough love. Uh, uh, and he could be brutal. Like sometimes like he, he would beat us like in, to the point we had marks. Like uh, he had uh, one particular in- instrument of torture that I particularly dread. He called my sweet girlfriend and was like a pedal, this stick with a lot of holes on it. When this hits on your hand, on your behind, man, it like sucks in. And that was painful. But, uh, and I was not an easy kid either. Like, not, a, not your mother, mother child. And, uh, but one day, I did something that my father particularly didn't like it. I was at school, and I entered in a fight, and I broke somebody's head. So they called my father mid, mid-morning. That was like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. That was our recess time. And my father came from his work filming to get me home. He was like on that non-speaking mode. Like just staring at me. And I start to think now, man, I'm dead meat. Like as we... St- I didn't pray back then because I was not even a Christian, but like uh, if I was a Christian, I probably would, would be praying like, please don't kill me. Because I thought I, that would be it. Then he brought me to his uh, bedroom. He sat me on his uh, bed. as he, That was the usual thing. Locked the door. Then I was just wa- waiting to see which instrument of torture he would use on me that day. He sat on my side. And he started to talk with me in such a way that by the end of the conversation, was, I was almost asking, beat me already, like, because that conversation was more painful than the, than the beating. And one of the things he said on that conversation that I never forget, uh, like... Uh, I have the same name of his father. Uh, that's why my, the thing that's on the, my last name is, the, not my last name, my last name is Coelho, but the last thing that's on my name is Nito. Nito means in Portuguese, the third, or grandson, because I have the exact same name of my grandpa. So he said, like, listen, when you are outside, whatever you do, you are representing me and representing my family. You have the name of my father. And my family is a family of politicians in Brazil. So my 
His brother was like governor three times. The other brother was senator. Like my father, father was also in politics. So everybody knew us in town. So for him, the, the thing of the name was a big deal. And he says like, when you are there, you are representing me. When you're doing something wrong, that is not only on you. That comes on me and all our family. And fast forward a few years later, after I became a Christian, I actually understand that we also bear the name of Christ. How we call ourselves? Christians. We are uh, imitators of Christ. That's what, what the name originally meant. If you go to the book of Acts, uh, first time that name was used was in Antioch to, to, to be like a, 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 a way to put Christians down because they were like little. They could not reach to the standard of Christ. But the Christians took it because, well, we do have to be imitators of Christ. And when we are out there, we are representing Christ, but for 2,000 years, we have been misrepresenting Jesus wrong because we are not living by his standards. Like, uh, and what are the, his standards? Like, uh, we already said this love, but there's a passage that I think is very descriptive. Open your Bible, please, in John 17, verses 20 to 23. Like, that's the last recorded prayer we have from Jesus. Like before he was uh, turned to his captors, before he went to the cross, he was praying for you and me in a very specific way. Let's read what he, pray, what he prayed for. He was praying first for the disciples, if you read the, the verses before verse 20. But then in verse 20 he says, I do not pray for those alone, for those alone, not only for the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that means each one of us here. And for what he prayed, continue reading verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the word may be lived that you send me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may, may be made perfect in one, and that, that the word may know that you have sent me. And you have loved them as you love me. That's profound. Because by what Jesus is saying here, the world will not really take notice of us as having anything special by or special doctrine. And, and don't take me wrong, we do have some wonderful truths that we can bring to the table. Uh, the world will not take notice of us because we are vegetarians or because we try to have a healthier life and we live seven years more than everybody else. The world only will take notice of us that we are genuine Christians, that we are really sent by God when we love one another, when we work together, when there's no divisions among us. 
when we uh, work shoulder to shoulder for the salvation of souls, not because we want to have more baptisms, but because we love those that are dying without Christ. Only when the world sees those types of signs, that we love God above anything else, and that love our fellow neighbors as we love ourselves, is that they're going to know that we are sending by God. And that is not all. What really was uh, mind-blowing for me is like that if that was it, that would be already a lot. But uh, it says here in uh, verse 22 and 23 that if we behave, if we are that way, we're going to be authenticating Christ's message in itself. Like the only sign that Christ was sent from the Lord is a life transformed. And if Jesus is not powerful enough to transform our lives, to love like he loves, he's not anything after all. And that's the message we are preaching without words. Like love, in the way Jesus summarized on those two commandments, is a principle to believe to be to be lived. In those commandments given by Jesus, they are comprehended how the principles of the Decalogue, the perfection of human character is, is revealed through love. But since people cannot see the love of God. They only have us to be the revelation of such love. That's why sometimes I say that we are the only Bible that most people can read. Because they look to us. And if we don't have that type of love, that unselfish love that's guided by the love we receive from God, that only we can give if we love God above all else, they cannot see it. So, uh, before I finish here, I want to share two things with you. First, a text of Ellen White, and then a story, so we can uh, finish. The text is here on your bulletin. If you go to the announcements page, uh, there's two texts that I put here for reflection. They are both great, but uh, I want you to pay attention to the second one that's uh, instructed from... Uh, this day with God, that's the daily devotional. A true disciple of Christ will seek to imitate the pattern. Which pattern? The pattern of Jesus, what he revealed in his ministry. His love will lead to perfect obedience. He will study to do the will of God on earth as it is done on heaven. In other words, we love God so much that we want to be like Him. He whose heart is still defiled with sin cannot be zealous of God works, of good works. And, is not, and he is not careful to abstain from evil, is not vigilant and watchful over his own motives and conduct, is not jealous of his own unruly tongue, he is not careful to deny self. And lifted the cross. Do you see the point here? If Jesus is not the, has the throne of our life. 
everything else that we try to do, we be tainted with our own sinfulness. And if we don't watch, we're going to be paying God a disservice. And then she finishes. Those poor deceived souls fail to keep the first four precepts of the Decalogue. Defining the duty of man to God. Neither do they keep the last six commandments. Defining the duty of man to his fellow man. So if you don't follow this and let, let the love of God inundate our hearts. Let God sit on our, the throne of our hearts. We'll be failing out of ten. Ten out of ten will be breaking it. Not only the third but everything else. And uh, in conclusion, I want to finish with, with a story. It's a story that I like. I read uh, not long ago, a couple of months ago. I had read the book as a child, like as I was entering to the Adventist church, and I always liked to read, so I read that book. But uh, I decided to read it again because it was a good read, and I like biographies. I like... Uh, so, the book title is called um, God's Smuggler. It's a story of a guy that uh, is a Dutchman. I can't pronounce his name because it's like one of those Dutch names that's like more letters than anything else. But uh, he had a nickname. He was known as Brother Andrew. So, if you just Google Brother Andrew, God's Smuggler, you're going to find the book. And uh, on that particular story, uh, on the early 60s, uh, he, what he would do, he would smuggle Bibles to the communist countries of Eastern Europe. That was something forbidden. Depending on the country, he could end up in jail or even that. Uh, and... Uh, he felt impressed to go to a specific country that he didn't know the language. I think it was Yugoslavia. And uh, Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. And he went not knowing the, the language and but trusting God. He knew several languages as any European. Uh, and he got to the country and he could not communicate only if somebody knew a different language that he spoke with. So he got to the hotel, speaking in English, and uh, he asked the, to the clerk, uh, where can I find a Christian church? The clerk was like kind of, kind of frightened because that Christian was kind of bad word. Uh, and he said like, we don't have many of those here. But even if you find one, you probably won't be able to communicate because most people here don't speak English. And uh, so he went, he saw a few churches, but he always had on the back of his mind, like, should I enter? Should I offer the, the Bibles? And what, about, what if those guys are just posers, are just like uh, informers of the Communist Party and like just waiting for some fool to do something foolish and get them to jail. Uh, so, uh, that was always on the back of his mind. Oh, I forgot something. When he was 
saying to the when he was talking with the young man he said like oh don't worry we christians we speak a language that's called agape and that's how the conversation end so he went and he was on the streets trying to find a church and uh he located a few church groups but he found one that he particularly called his attention and uh he entered he found there two pastors uh from that church uh the pastor or his assistant something like that but he was unable to talk they didn't know any one of the language he needed he wanted he could speak they didn't know english and they stayed there like steering each other for i don't know how long when he finally realized that over the uh desk of the pastor there was a bible on, on the local language i think uh uh in one it's one of those slavic languages that they speak on that area uh so what did he do he opened that man's bible he could not read but uh, some of the the names in all those different languages they are pretty much the same so he could kind of like uh go and like open and then he opened in a uh, first corinthians 16 first corinthians uh 16 verse 20 and he just did this and the guy went and read it do you guys know what is there in first corinthians 16 20 uh there's uh i wrote it down here how the brothers uh here send greetings and greet one another with a holy kiss so he wanted to convey the message that he was a brother that he was a christian and that he came bringing greetings from where he came from and then he after the guy read he embraced it embraced the guy and kissed him on the cheek so the guy really got oh he's talking about that verse then the guy had another the pastor had the same idea he took his bible tried to find a different book on the bible and pointed out now he pointed out to proverbs 25:25 and if you hear what let if you know what it means uh you get it but i'm going to read it for you proverbs 25:25 reads like cold water to a weary soul is the good news from a distant land so he thanked for because oh that's such such a good news and they kept talking like that for about half an hour with through different passages of scripture that said what they wanted to say and they got to the conclusion that they both were true christians they wanted to serve god with all their hearts and he ended up bringing that the truckload of bibles and uh they story had a happy ending so he got back to the hotel and uh as he was entering going to his room the bellman called him like an uh oh i went and searched you're not talking about a language agape is the greek word for love right yes he said and i've been talking this all afternoon and uh, the point of that story is like uh as we've been talking here that the lord calls us to be truly converted and uh, to watch and pray 
because like things on the world we live are getting worse and worse. And uh, unless we give ourselves unreservedly, unless Christ sits a sovereign on our hearts, we are not willing to do anything for one another. We won't be engaging in service as this guy did. You don't need to go to a distant land. You don't need to do anything illegal because we still live in a country that we can go about our business freely. But you need to be uh, with the same resolve. And when you do that, uh, like when you fulfill God's calling for you in the way that makes sense for you now, when you are willing to represent God because you are you love Him above anything else. Uh, when God becomes the center of your life, he be- love becomes your way of life. And through His love, your wo- His word becomes also your language because you're going to be speaking on the same wavelength as God. And his, you can speak through His love and you can speak through His word because God will start to direct you in the way you go about your even your private business and uh, that's the challenge that we have before us today and I cannot finish the sermon without challenging you to really reevaluate your life today what are the things that are that are idols for you what are the things that are occupying the first uh, place on your heart that are blocking you To love God above everything else. Those are idols that need to be broken. And that's the daily effort. We need to dedicate ourselves day after day. If we stop a day, that's the day we fall. We have to be uh, allowing God to rebaptize us every day through His Holy Spirit. And to transform our hearts. To give us love for others. To give love for himself above all. So we can live up to that standard. And to change the narrative that Christianity has been uh, doing for 2,000 years. God needs representatives here on earth today. And he chose each one of you. To live a life that is a replica of Jesus' life in his earth. He needs us to put God first every day. To love him above anything else. Because that's the only way that will enable us to love others. It's the only way that love can become our lifestyle. It's the only way that love can become our language. And it's the only way to tell the world that Jesus has power because he could transform my life. And he could transform your life. And uh, so as we close, I want to close with a prayer. And in, the, in this prayer, I will give you a few seconds. I'm going to make a brief pause. Because I want you to take the chance to break whatever idol you have. And allow God to be God in your life. And say to him, on your own words, God, I want you to fill my heart with your love. So I can live your love uh, in the community where I was inserted. May I be your hands and feet. And may I treat others 
in the way you treated me. Because I want the world to know that you are the true God because you could change my life. And may that change start today in you and me. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, we are in awe because you love us so much in so incomprehensible ways that that love materialized in the Calvary. Like God died, submitted himself to be sin for us so we can have access to eternal life. As a father, I can concede and uh, I can understand, I can grasp uh, in dying for one of my kids that I love to try to save them. That's, as a human, I can understand. But I cannot understand somebody having no sin, having all, to set everything aside to die for me when I was your enemy. And you died for each one of us when we didn't know you. That's love. May that love overflow our hearts. May we allow your spirit to guide us. May we allow you to sit on the throne of our hearts so you can change us every day from inside and out. We don't want to misrepresent you any longer. We want to show to the world around us that we live in your love and that you are the true God because you could change a wretched man like me and you keep changing it every day. Help us, dear Lord, to start today in a new life, to start a new narrative and to tell the world that you are a God of love, that your message is true, your message is powerful, can transform lives, can transform my life, can transform our life. And help us to be agents, to spread your love on our community and to share the knowledge of you so other people can feel attracted to you and have their lives transformed too. I now, I give a chance for each one of those hearing here now, those on the internet as well, to rededicate their lives to you and to be part of this new beginning. Be part of uh, your people that wants to represent you by allowing you to rebaptize us every day. Dear Father, thank you because you hear our prayers. Thank you because you heard my prayer. Thank you because you heard the private prayers of each one of those here and those on the internet. Thank you because in you we can have a new start. Refresh us and make us anew every day and help us by creating on us a new heart every day. A heart that loves you above anything else. A heart that's overflowing of your love. A heart that wants to please you with 
every thought, with every word, with every act. A heart that's willing to show your love to others and a heart that's willing to drive ourselves to be men and women according to your heart. We ask you, dear Lord, help us never cease surrender to you. Help us never cease uh, seeking your presence on our lives. Help us to feel you, your presence walking with us and through your Holy Spirit live in us so you can transform us from the inside out. And if God forbid we, we fail, we do something that we are not supposed to do, help us to remember that we can go immediately to, your, to our knees, we can immediately call to you and be forgiven. As we repent, you can transform us around and make us start a new path again. I know that we may have people here hearing us today that uh, they think they are too far to surrender now. Help them to realize that uh, never is too far from you. There's no hold uh, deep enough that you cannot rescue us from. So in, na- in the name of those, I ask you, dear Lord, help them to feel your forgiveness. And help each one of us to feel your love and to live your love until you come, until we can see you face to face. Give us your Holy Spirit. Baptize us anew today and every day. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.